What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on rotogrinders.com and live on our YouTube channel. And of course, uh, we know a lot of you might be watching us on playback. So whenever you might be checking us out, appreciate it. If uh, you're on the YouTube feed there, be sure to give us a like, a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. All that stuff helps us out uh, with the YouTube algorithm and, of course, of keeping you informed with everything over at Roto Grinders. I am Justin Van Zuden, joined by Mr. Notorious, Derek Farnsworth, as always here this week, coming off a really interesting final week uh, before the FedEx Cup playoffs. Plenty of storylines from last week. We had some delays. We had some drama. And we had Tom Kim, Ju Young Kim, pulling off the victory uh, with perhaps the first time I've ever seen someone win a tournament with the type of stats that he had pretty much, uh, you know, nothing tee to green and everything with the putter gained about 12 strokes on the greens for the event. So uh, plenty to, to talk about here this week as we head into playoff time. And Noto, how you doing? Yeah, Tom Kim, uh, the putter was fire. And also, I think he became the first person ever to uh, make a quadruple bogey on his first hole and go on to win. Uh, my friend bet him to top 10. Text me after his first hole saying, uh, well, that was a waste of money. Um, and <laughs> sure all was. of a sudden, yeah, he's back. Uh, so that was pretty incredible. Uh, we also had another first. I think 86 golfers ended up making the cut. I think that's the highest uh, since they changed the cut rule a couple years ago. So, yeah, a week of first, but uh, pretty cool seeing Tom Kim get his way into the playoffs. He already had his uh, tour card locked up, but he couldn't get into the playoffs because he wasn't a full-time member. But the win uh, gets him to be uh, into the playoffs. So uh, excited to see him play the next few weeks, although uh, I do think he's played like six or seven weeks in a row now. Yeah, we'll see if, uh, you know, the exhaustion uh, sets in at some point, but uh, surely he's, uh, he's going on some pretty good adrenaline right now so congrats to tom kim uh on the victory last week and it was a it was a strange week for dfs there were quite a few withdrawals uh some guys you know were pretty much out of it uh, and just decided you know with all the weather delays to get out of there but uh it, it ended up being a, a tough week for some of the the chalk golfers you know webb simpson we talked about last week being the horse for the course uh, at the Wyndham. But being overpriced, you know, based on his uh, the season that he has had. So that one at least uh, dodged a bullet there, uh, but had some exposure to Adam Long. That didn't work out. Uh, and then a few guys that were just a, tro- a stroke or two short of the cut line there uh, on Friday afternoon, despite the fact uh, that, you know, that the, the extended amount of golfers made the cut. Uh, but the other storyline was the cut line swinging over into Saturday morning and Austin Smotherman and Chris Goddard basically controlling how many of those aforementioned 80-plus golfers made the cut. Uh, it could have still moved with just a couple guys out there on the course on Saturday morning. So it was a weird cut sweat last week. Yeah, it was. Uh, I couldn't believe Goddard didn't finish. Uh, he had a four-foot uh, bogey putt on 18 that he could have finished his round. Uh, instead, he chose to come out the, come out the next day, and uh, if he would have missed, he would have you know, had to wake up for nothing, wouldn't have made the cut, or if Smotherman would have moved the cut himself, uh, he would have had to just you know, wake up for a four-footer and then go home. But, yeah, kind of feel for Smotherman. Um, he didn't end up making the playoffs, didn't end up securing his PGA Tour card. Um, he had that 11-footer on 17 that he missed, and uh, so he just needed a par on his uh, last hole, and he couldn't do it. So kind of feel for, for Smotherman, even though uh, he was kind of everyone's hero there uh, that was rooting for the cut to be minus one. 
I mean, you got to think after sleeping on that overnight, then missing that 11 footer, the, uh, you know, the knees were knocking a little bit there heading on that 18th hole. Um, and it's, you know, it's too bad for a few of the, cause there's a few guys that aren't just aren't going to play this week. Um, and you know, for the guys that just missed out on the playoffs, I'm sure, uh, that's, you know, it's a little tough to take for them, but Ricky Fowler barely made it in. So Ricky Fowler is moving on to the playoffs somehow. Um, I'm not sure how he accumulated enough points, but uh, nonetheless, he's there uh, without the live guys. I suppose he wouldn't have been there, but other takeaways from the tournament last week for you. I mean, what do you make of all the, uh, the strokes gained putting from Mr. Kim? <laughs> it was pretty crazy. I mean, he just made everything. Um, and then he had one putt, I think it was on uh, number eight or nine or something where he blew it a good nine feet past the hole. And you're thinking, okay, this might be where he bogeys and kind of, Gives everyone a chance behind uh, to catch him a little bit. Then he just drained the putt, walked it in. So, yeah, I mean, he was kind of thought of as a better ball striker than putter coming into the week. And so it was a little surprising to see him, you know, gain that many strokes. But, again, we're dealing with small sample sizes when it comes to him because we haven't seen him a ton with shot link stuff. But, I mean, he played great on the Asian Tour. Um, obviously, incredibly talented. He's the second youngest golfer uh, to win on the PGA Tour in the last, like, 60, 70 years. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, what he brings moving forward. Uh, you mentioned Ricky getting in. Another guy that I can't believe got in is Nick Watney. I think he's missed 13 of his last 14 cuts, something crazy like that. And he still backed his way in. Got in. He, I think his best finish was like T19 or something. Or he had one second and then the next was. Anyway, that's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy uh, how the, all those uh, those swings um with the, the playoff spots kind of changed with, you know, 10 or 12 guys being removed uh, for the, the live tour, um, you know, guys who, who moved off to that, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, the guys that are in that 71 to 125 spot really need to make a run this week, um, or they are not going to be moving to the second round of the playoffs. We've got the FedEx St. Jude championship this week. Uh, you mentioned last week this tournament has kind of moved around in terms of its designation. It was a WGC for a while. It was a regular PGA Tour event for a while, and now it's kind of kind of found its home as the first event of the playoffs. So um, other takeaways from last week. Otherwise, we can start talking about the course. Uh, I'm just going to mention two more things from last week. We finally got a home game narrative to, to play out. Uh, Alex Smalley ended up coming T13. Uh, so it was a pretty good week for him. And then Russell Henley, back-to-back top tens while losing strokes putting. So maybe somebody to keep an eye on uh, heading into this week. And, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about um, the event. If you are looking at course history, like you mentioned, this has been a WGC event the last three years. So if you see a guy that's like has a 59th place finish in the last three years, that's not very good. Uh, I think there was only between 65 and 75 golfers those years. Prior to that, they were full, full field. So um, just keep that in mind if you are looking at course history. But uh, the course itself, it's a par 70, 7,200 yards. It's the second longest par 70 on the PGA Tour. And it should be a little bit more difficult than we've seen the last couple of weeks. Typically, the winning score is in the you know, mid-teens or so. The fairways here, pretty narrow, really thick Bermuda rough. Um, a lot of the golfers have said it reminds them of East Lake and that if you hit the fairway, it's not that difficult. Of course, if you miss, um, you're really going to be challenging yourself, especially hitting into these really small greens. Um, they are 4,300 square feet on average, which is uh, very small, um, almost pebble beach-like small. So uh, I'm definitely looking at strokes gained approach and strokes gained around the green. I think those two factors um, 
will play a big role this week. Definitely looking at ball striking. We've seen uh, three guys finish first or second at this event over the last three years that have lost strokes putting. So you typically don't see that at Birdie Fest. Um, you're going to see a lot of uh, shots from 125 to 200 yards. Uh, the greens themselves will feature Bermuda. And then water's in play on eight, 11 of the 18 holes. So hit the fairways and then uh, dial in your approaches and you know, be ready to scramble when you miss the greens. You're saying we're not going to have another Tom Kim performance this week with a 12 strokes gain putting for the winner. Uh, I mean, we, if you gain 12 strokes putting, you're probably going to win anywhere. So uh, it certainly could happen, but uh, you're not going to have as many, you know, 50 footers as you would on, on most courses. Yeah, definitely a challenging course, uh, plenty of water, you know, and, uh, and the double bogey or worse rate uh, significantly higher on this course than pretty much anything we've seen over the last couple of months. So uh, you're going to see trouble around this place. And, uh, and that's why, you know, if guys hit it in the rough, uh, a lot of times they have to decide if they still want to go for the green or if they just want to, you know, lay up and, and not risk a big number on a given hole uh, because of all the water that's out there. So really interesting angles um, and obviously a strong field with, uh, with all the top golfers that are still the full-time PGA tour golfers uh, playing this week. So anything else uh, before we dig in? No, I think I'm ready to get into a very strong field and uh, the pricing. We finally got some guys in the, in the nine and ten k's. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got seven guys, I believe, above ten k on DraftKings, including Rory McIlroy at eleven thousand. So, Scheffler, Shoffley, Cam Smith, Patrick Cantlay, uh, the deserved top names, guys that have been in pretty good form lately. And then you've got Justin Thomas and John Rahm, uh, who a couple months ago, you know, you would have seen them at, at the at or near the top of this list. Uh, instead, they're quite a ways down, given the fact that their form isn't been hasn't been quite as strong over the summer. So, what do you make of this top range? So many good options up here. I think I'll start with the guys that I don't like. Um, I don't think I'm going to be on Cam Smith. I just don't know what he's been doing since winning the Open Championship. Uh, I don't know how hard he's been grinding on the range. Uh, maybe you know, Bill saying, "Give me all the Cam Smith." Um, yeah, I mean, look, he could certainly come out here and play well, but his inaccuracy off the tee worries me a little bit. Um, somewhere like, uh, you know, St. Andrews, incredibly open. Um, you can miss pretty much anywhere and still find yourself on, on a fairway, even if it's not the right one. So I'm going to be off of him. I'm going to be off of John Rahm, I think. Um, up top, I like Rory. Uh, I like Xander. That's who the model kind of spits out as the, the best plays up top. But um, I kind of like Scheffler, too. I mean, he's a guy that's always been good on Bermuda. His results haven't been great recently, but the ball striking has been good. He just hasn't been making the same amount of putts that he was, you know, when he was winning three or four times earlier this season. So I think it's a really good spot to get back on Scheffler. And then uh, JT obviously won here before. You talk about irons and around the green. I mean, those are his two strengths. So uh, I like JT quite a bit. And then uh, I don't know what to do with Cantlay. I mean, the guy's just a top 10 machine, but I don't have a strong take on him. I do kind of like him. I think this is the type of course, you know, I, I tend to like him a little bit more on difficult tracks as well. So it feels like a lot of people might go for the narrative of Thomas and Ron being underpriced and having underperformed. You know, you're going to get the people that want to play Rory at the top. Shoffley always kind of has a, a pretty high ownership these days. So uh, Cantley, I think, might be kind of sneaky around, you know, maybe just 10% or so, so this week. So in tournaments, I think he's a guy – uh, that's really interesting. I haven't pegged him right a whole lot this year, so that does worry me some. But um, I, I do think this could be a week that uh, you know maybe he ends up being a little bit sneaky just because of the way 
uh, that the pricing kind of works and, and how everything shakes out with that. So I do like some Cantley uh, this week. His stats, if you look at, you know, say, oh, 24, 36 round sample size, they certainly aren't as strong as some of the others at the top. Uh, but this type of course, I think, caters to his game a little bit. So I'll play some Cantlay. Um, otherwise, obviously hard not to like Rory uh, at the top as well. And uh, TBD for me on Thomas and Rom until we get some refined ownership projections on how I want to handle those guys in GPPs. Uh, any other thoughts on that range for you? I was just going to ask, how do you think Rory plays after, you know, obviously not winning the Open after having his one hand on the, on the trophy there? Do you think he's been grinding or you think he kind of has a little bit of anger? No, I mean, I'm sure he's probably taking a little time off and this is the first, you know, playoff event. So it's not like he needs to, not like he needs to go all out. Um, and his results here are, you know, a little iffy, um, relatively speaking. So uh, I, I probably won't go too much overweight on him, but I mean, given the way that he's played this year, just a top 20 machine. Uh, I think it's, you know, a, a complete, collapse isn't probably very likely so you know I, I don't think you need to go all in or anything like that if you're building 50 60 lineups i don't think you need to start with him uh but you got to have some exposure i think if you're if you're building a bunch of lineups this week yeah kind of feel the same way and, and it's interesting because you know tom thomas and and rom and to some extent can't lay uh are the ones that have a little bit more history here so really interesting to see how ownership shakes out uh, we don't have our first passive projected ownership up yet, but uh, it might end up being a little bit more spread out this week than it has been in recent weeks with the salaries being a little bit tighter uh, for, for this event than they have been. So really interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move into the 9K range. Uh, you've got Matthew Fitzpatrick um, at 9,800. Uh, you've got Fino and some, let me backtrack for a second. Some of my course history comments might've been a little bit off there. I'll have to pull it up. I think I got the wrong course pulled up here with the, the first of playoff event has shifted around. And I think I've got that one pulled up as opposed to specifically TPC Southwind. So if any of you are watching and think that my course history comments there were a little bit misguided, um, I might backtrack on that in just a moment. Uh, anyway, we've got Fitzpatrick, Finau, Zalatoris, Cam Young, all guys that have been playing pretty good golf over the last couple of months. Finau has obviously turned it on with a couple of wins. Uh, we've seen Cam Young post a bunch of top finishes. Zalatoris was there in pretty much every major this year. You've got Spieth and Hovland in this 9K range as well. Uh, what do you make of this range here? The, the tough one for me is going to be Cam Young. I think he's going to be very popular, obviously, coming off of the back-to-back second-place finishes. But I was reading some player quotes today about the course. Dustin Johnson was saying, you know, he doesn't hit a lot of drivers here. Uh, you just don't really have to, especially with all the water in play. And the two courses where Cam Young, um, you know, finished second was uh, Rocket Mortgage and, uh, you know, the Open. Both courses, you could hit 10-plus drivers around. So that's his best weapon. I don't, I don't know if he hits it well, obviously he's going to put himself in great spots, but I just don't think you need as many, you know, driver heavy holes on, on this course as you do on most. So I'm torn on Cam Young. I love Zalatoris. Uh, he did split with his caddy last week. I don't really know uh, the details behind that yet, but I mean, he's played well each of the last two birdie fests. He finished 21st and 20th. In both events, he made the cut right on the number. We know he likes difficult courses. He was eighth here last year. He's going to be my pick to win this week. So I love uh, Willie Z at 9,500. 
Uh, I don't, I mean, Tony Finau can go back to back to back, I guess. Um, I don't <laughs> think I'll be there uh, if he does, but uh, love Tony. Just usually like him more on, you know, bent POA type course, courses. Uh, I like Fitz anytime you get him uh, on Bermuda. I like Fitz everywhere. Um, what, what am I talking about? But so I like Fitz and Zalatoris the most in this range. And then the bottom, I don't know, speed's fine. Hovland, I was looking at his around the green stats. He is literally dead last uh, on the PJ Tour around the green. I mean, it's not surprising. I not know, surprising I, that he's down there. I guess kind of surprising that he's dead last. I but. thought one person would be worse. It's just crazy. <laughs> top top 10 golfer in the world is dead last. That's uh, it's probably not the spot you want to be for sure. But uh, and that's what's crazy. You know, if he was just semi-competent around the green and on the green, imagine what, you know, what his numbers could be. Yeah. It, I mean, I guess he could, if he hits all the greens, it'll be fine. But uh, the greens are very small, so I don't know. All right. So I'm presuming you have your course history at this event in your model somewhere. Right. All the PGA Tour stuff um, that I am finding is just moving over the Northern Trust. Basically, the three or four sources I just checked all have Northern Trust course history uh, uh, plastered to this event. So uh, I'm going to look. leave the course. What's that? Pull up the first look. The Your first look. Okay. On road yeah, it'll, it's perfect. it'll be there. All right. So if you are having the same problem that I just did, um, trying to find course history at this event, uh, again, if you're looking on the PGA Tour site, if you're looking on a couple other, um, you know, areas where you generally find course history, uh, you might have trouble finding it linked to this specific event. So pull up Noto's uh, DFS first look, which I believe is free, correct? Yes over on Roto Grinders, and it will give you the history at this specific event. Um, so I wasn't horribly off with my comments. Justin Thomas did win here in 2020. John Rahm did finish seventh in 2019. Rory, relatively speaking, not quite as strong. Um, but, uh, yeah, I dumbed into those answers with bad data. So, all right, now I've got Noto's data in front of me for the course history. We're good to go on that front. Um, and you know, the nine K range, I, I think is really interesting because you're going to see most people want to start with one of the names at the top. Um, you know, the narrative with Finau is going to reduce his ownership, the short game concerns with some of the other players in this range. It is easy to find at least something of a weakness, either inexperienced with Cam Young or the short game issues with Zalatoris and Hoblin. But, you know, the ball striking, I think is, it, it just can help them make up for that, that, uh, I don't know. I mean, is there a is there a chalk play in this range, given how people like to fade winners? Like, I can't imagine Finau being mega chalk after two wins. I do think Zalatoris will be popular. I uh, listened to a couple podcasts, and uh, he's been the favorite bet of everyone already. So I do think uh, Zalatoris will be popular. Um, <laughs> you know what's crazy? Over the last year or the last six months, whatever you want to look at, um, Will Zalatoris is a better putter than Jordan Spieth. A uh, good thing for Zalatoris or an indictment of speed? <laughs> I mean, more of an indictment for speed, but um, that's just that just doesn't make sense to me. It does not. Uh, but hey, maybe Zalatoris is turning a corner. Hey, Hoblin needs to. Needs, I don't know. It still seems like every time I watch Zalatoris on PJ Tour Live or whatever, he's missing eight footers all the time. Still, oh yeah. 
Um, but uh, hopefully he's, he's turning a corner there. But yeah, maybe a little bit of an indictment of Spieth there as well. All right. Uh, anything else on the 9Ks for you? I don't think so. If you had to play one, who's your favorite? That is tough to answer until I see ownership, but um, I don't know. It's probably not young because of the, you know, the fact that I think the driver is neutralized a little bit. I don't, I don't love any of these guys. It's probably Finau to be honest. Okay. I mean, it, it probably is. If you're just looking you know, the around the green game with the small greens, it scares me a little bit with Hovland and Zalatoris. You know I'm not big on Spieth. Um, Young, the driver isn't going to be as big of a weapon here. It's almost like it's process of elimination to Finau or Fitzpatrick, I guess, by default. He does have a fourth and a sixth here two of the last three years. So um, yeah, I'll go with Fitzpatrick one and then Finau two. But I don't know. I probably won't have a ton of exposure to this range. I think the 8Ks is much more interesting. Finau's got to be low owned, right? I think you would think so, but the limitations of this range, I think, might yeah. uh, it's a tough week to peg ownership. Interested to see how this comes out, but um, yeah, I'll probably have some for sure if he's in the single digits. All right, let's move into the eight Ks. Um, you know, Morikawa in this range obviously hasn't been his best of years, but uh, we know the talent is there. Sam Burns seems to be a trendy pick here early in the week. Uh, you've got Sung J.M. obviously coming off a strong performance last week. Matsuyama, Lowry, Horschel, Neiman, and uh, Tom Kim rounding out the 8K range. So your favorites in there. Yeah, I think this range is why a lot of people are going to start with one guy above 10K, and then their second and third, maybe even fourth guys are going to come from this range. You got all the guys that really rate out well in models. Shane Lowry, Sung J.M., Sam Burns, um, they all look like great plays. You know, Bermuda Burns, second place here last year. He's already got three wins this season. Sung J, back-to-back seconds. We know we like him on Bermuda. And then uh, Lowry, look, he didn't play great last week, but he flew home on friday night because he didn't think he would make the cut and had to take a private flight back so i don't blame him for having a bad weekend uh, last are you week. surprised he didn't just withdraw at that point i i give him credit i mean that's uh i think that's kind of cool that he uh you know stuck it out um even though he didn't play well i think that's a that's a positive for for at least me being a fan of his so uh, i like that uh, he's got a good course history here too three top 30s and three tries so yeah i like all three of them i do think they're going to be popular I'm uh, not going to be on Morikawa. He just hasn't shown much. I think he has three top fives and nothing else better than a top 25 this year, something like that. Um, I always like Horschel on Bermuda courses. He's been playing okay, uh, really good course history. And then uh, Tom Kim, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, the guy was great last week, and people love fading the guy that won the week before. Everyone's already talking that he's tired. He wasn't planning to play this week and all this stuff. So if he's going to be low on it, I'll go back to him. It's the same argument. It's the same as the Finau argument, but all yeah. the, the ball striking just wasn't there last week. Um, boy, I, I mean, he's fun to watch, and he's basically playing with house money. So yeah, another one where I think ownership is uh, is going to be interesting. Um, I mean, is Burns the chalk here? I think Burns and Sungjae. I think both are going to be. Yeah, yeah. So you know. It, 
Lowry, Horschel, Kim, um, you know, Morikawa, if you are a believer long term. I think those guys are all really interesting pivots this week. So um, I think you sprinkle in quite a few guys from this range. Uh, at least that's what I plan to do this week. So hopefully you uh, a, they you have a take on Hideki. No, he's probably the one guy in this range that I don't have a good feel for. Um, I mean, there was all the rumors like maybe next year he's going to live and he just doesn't care. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm probably out, but it's not like this strong conviction. You can't play this guy. Take like, I, I just don't know if I trust him. Like yeah, I, you know, I love playing guys that withdraw a lot. So I'll probably have some <laughs> parlay them all together. Uh, I think Burns, um, Horschel, you know, Lowry, those guys that you mentioned, I think really interesting tournament plays this this week. I will probably sprinkle quite a few of them into my uh, GPP builds. So, um, and it seems like the betting community is already on Burns. His odds have come down quite a bit from the start of the week here. He was 40 to 45 in a few spots when he's when he opened. Now he's down to 35 a lot of places. So, you know, I like Burns. So even if he's chalky, he's the one guy that I probably will eat some chalk on. All right, if you're ready to move into the 7Ks, we can start talking about that 7,600 to 8K range. All right. Uh, as mentioned earlier, Russell Hanley lost 2.7 strokes putting the last two weeks, and he's finished T10 and T5. Uh, he's a guy that's great with his irons, very accurate off the tee, and uh, pretty good around the green, too. So if the putter shows up, then uh, I think he's really interesting. He hasn't played this since 2017, so I wonder if that'll do anything for his ownership. Don't know what to do with Homa. So he's played the WGC each of the last three years, and he's finished uh, 50, 51st, 52nd, 61st. So basically bottom, you know, 25% of the field every single time. Not great. Obviously, he's a much better golfer now than he was back then, but worries me a little bit. He's uh, much better in the on the West Coast and on Bankgrass Greens. So I don't know. I like going back to Hatton after back-to-back top uh, 11 finishes. And then uh, Corey Connors. Look, if it's a ball striking course, I'm going to play some Corey Connors. Um, he was pretty good last week. T to green just couldn't couldn't putt. So um, kind of live live and die with that putter. But, um, yeah, I'm willing to go back to Connors this week. Here we go uh, 24 rounds. He's still 10th in this field in uh, off the tee. Uh, Pendrith is 8th in off the tee and 10th in ball striking. So his numbers have really climbed up. Davis Riley, after being chalk for a few weeks and absolutely failing, uh, played well last week when nobody was on him. So uh, that uh, go figure uh, that like Pendrith Riley type golfer. They were you on this type of course volatile, you know, maybe a little bit more driver dependent throw Aaron Wise and that mix as well. Like any of those guys that you feel comfortable with this week, I almost uh, always default to Riley, but <laughs> yeah, I do like either. wise a lot. You know, he's a lot better on approach. Um than than Pendrith and those guys. Well, Pendrith lately he's been great since. I was gonna back. say, are you are you a believer in those uh, Pendrith approach numbers long term? Yeah, I mean the last he's only played about four events since coming back uh, since the players, but he's been great in all of them, top fifteen in all of them. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, you certainly take your chances with any of these guys. I think they all have good upside, but the field strength is a lot different than they played. Yeah, you know, the last four weeks or so. Yeah, that's another real important point. You know, we've played some easier courses. We've had some weaker fields. You know, Detroit, 3M Open, weak, easier courses, fairly weak fields. 
um, you know, courses where you could bomb it out there and, and bomb and gouge a course, if you will. Uh, you can't really do that with this course. And so maybe that, uh, even though the approach number good, a little bit of a concern there. Connors is certainly the safe play. He's got some of the best odds of this range right there with Hatton. Uh, I think I'm off pole this week as well, just given the course history and the, uh, you know, the, the slight dip uh, over the past month or so from him. Um, Connor's probably my favorite in this range. Uh, why that wise Riley Pendrith group? Uh, I'll sprinkle in somebody in GPPs for sure, uh, but that will be somewhat ownership dependent. So, any other thoughts on that uh, range? Otherwise, we can kind of dip into the the second half of this seven uh, K range here. Uh, some interesting names right at seventy five hundred. Yeah, Mito Pereira, who you know if he was in better form, he would be a lot more expensive. Um, he's missed four cuts in a row, but prior to that, you know, he was on fire. So. Uh, if you trust the long-term stats, I think Mito is interesting. Uh, probably, you know, more talented than the Riley and Seamus Power, Pendrith types. Um, you know, if you look at just the last year, 18 months, something like that. So he's interesting. Keegan Bradley is always interesting on a ball strikers course. Then you have, uh, you know, Cebes who's making, you know, every cut, just not a lot of high finishes. And then Adam Scott, who <laughs> I don't know what he does good anymore. Um, I thought it was the putter and now he's just falling apart on the green. So, that's a that's an interesting range. I think all four of them, you know, merit some ownership at least. Yeah, um, Scott is uh, definitely an enigma uh, these days, and you know he's hundred to one, and we're we're not used to seeing that from him. But uh, this is obviously a, a strong field. So I don't have a player that I absolutely love in here. Um, you know, Varner, Kenny put four rounds together. Kirk and Sebas that consistent but in this field is there a big time ceiling on them uh, maybe you look for more of a wild card like the gala uh, webb simpson so last week was he failed as the course history uh guru and uh one of the most expensive options in the field well this week similar narrative i mean he's got three straight top 15s on this course and he's 7300 on DraftKings this week as opposed to 10k or whatever 10.7 or whatever he was last week um so what do we do with webb and if not him then are we where are we going in this kind of 72 7300 range yeah i can't remember where i heard this i think it was our discord somebody said you know they knew his caddy uh paul tesori and they said paul just said you know they're absolutely lost on the course right now uh before last week's event and then came out and I mean, that's like his his event, you know, named his daughter after Wyndham and everything. So I can't play him after that performance. I just I just can't do it. with. And he said after the tournament that he doesn't think he's that far off. OK, so, well, but, I mean, so what, what do we was that the caddy or Webb? Eh? No, that was Webb. OK, so the caddy's probably telling the truth a little bit more. Um, but who knows? I mean, who knows if that conversation even happened? It's just all hearsay at this point. But um so, yeah, I don't know what to do with Webb. I'm not going to be on Takala. I do like Chris Kirk quite a bit. We talk about guys that keep it in play off the tee. He's gained strokes off the tee in 16 straight events. Um, Chris Kirk, a guy that you don't think of as a good driver of the ball, uh, but he's just incredibly accurate. His irons have been good. He's uh, top five in this field around the green. So I do think Kirk's interesting. He was sixth here the last time he played it, and that was in a full field event in 2018. And he does have a pretty good history at the FedEx Cup. He made a run at it the year I think Horschel won. So, yeah, I like Chris Kirk quite a bit. 
other than that, I don't know. I mean, Brian Armand let me down last week. I was pretty sad about that. I'll probably play a little bit Justin Rose. He was plus five at one point uh, last week. Battleback made the cut. Didn't play great on the weekend, but um, is a guy that can get hot at times. I don't know. Do you have anything else down here? Yeah, it's not super exciting. Um, if you're just looking at like 24 or 36 round stats, Cameron Davis has like the best overall numbers in this group. Uh, but again, a lot of those were in weaker field tournaments. That's where he tends to shine. He is 15th in this field in approach over the last 20 rounds. Uh, given the fact that the range is pretty weak, uh, he probably will end up in my GPP pool, pool, though I don't feel super great about it. And, you know, you mentioned the weaker or the, uh, 70, you know, 70, 75, 78, whatever golfer fields that we had here for the WGC events the last few years. Cameron Davis was 60th here last year, so at least he did play. Uh, but if you're just looking at the recent stats, I mean, he lines up okay, and there frankly aren't a lot of these, a lot of guys in this range that have anything, you know, resembling solid course history. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll add cameron davis in there but it's not a rousing endorsement by any means what about scott stallings i think he's had four straight top 15s now that's crazy and you know he is a guy that always tends to be streaky um but i also feel like he's going to garner ownership um and like i don't know chalky stallings just <laughs> sounds like a recipe for disaster so yeah, if he tends to be the guy that a lot of people gravitate towards, you know, give me the the lower owned pivots like uh, Davis yeah. or a Rose or even, you know, maybe going back to Adam Long after his withdrawal last week. Though I didn't uh, follow up on was uh, what was the reason for his withdrawal. It was I just think, illness, right? Uh, yeah. I think he was one of the guys that didn't finish that round on Friday and Knew he was going to miss the cut, so he just withdrew. no. He I played him, so he withdrew before the second round. Oh, okay. Um, but he was four over, so yeah, it was illness. So yeah, all right. So no injury concerns there. Uh, basically, he was four over, and he woke up not feeling well, and decided, yeah, I'm not going to go back out there uh, for the second round. So throw Adam Long in that mix. I think he's interesting. Uh, maybe some steel, but not a lot of good names yeah. in this range. I like still, if you're going to play the ball striker narrative, he's gained 42 strokes ball striking in six events. So uh, I don't think he's ever played here before, but yeah, uh, it's hard to pass. He's number one in the field over the last three months in ball striking. And uh, yeah, over the last 24 rounds, he is dead last in the field in putting. So, <laughs> uh, you, you know, hey, that's got a, some variance there. Uh, maybe, you know, it wouldn't be dead last long-term. So if you're a believer, the ball striking numbers are certainly really, really great. And uh, he's obviously not super expensive and probably not as popular as he's has been say over the last two, three weeks. So I don't mind him at seven K start to get down to the value ranges. At least we have some options in here, but uh, not a lot of good ball strikers. We've got some good short game players in here, but if you're looking for ball strikers, you are not going to find a whole lot of good recent numbers in this 6K range. It's all pretty bad outside of maybe Luke List, who, yep. as always, good ball striking, woeful putting. Uh, he is third from last in this field over the last 24 rounds in putting um, with the steel. 
uh, or actually the list is second from last. Sorry, I forgot that there was there's only 121 in the field now uh, with the, another withdrawal today. So your thoughts on the six Ks? Anything interesting in here? I mean, you gotta you gotta play Luke List. Why not? Um, he's been so bad <laughs> since he won at the Farmers, but I mean the ball striking numbers are still good. So uh, yeah, I'll put him in my steel lineups and uh, you know watch those burning flames from four footers. But um, yeah, I think he's interesting. I like Alex Smalley a little bit. You know, he's been playing well, three top twenties in his last four starts. Uh, if you like iron play, Tom Hoagie's one of the better you know mid to long iron players in the field. He's coming off of a fourth at the 3M. Uh, Jonathan Vegas, a little bit better putter on Bermuda. He's a decent ball striker. That's all I got for you. So uh, Nate Lashley, by the way, was the one withdrawal that came down after uh, the salaries were released. So uh, just make sure you don't have any Nate Lashley in your lineups. I don't have a whole lot else either. I will probably play some list. Um I will maybe play a little bit of Streelman, but like everybody below Hoagie uh, is at least 200 to one. And in this field, I mean, it's just tough. Uh, Callum Terran's a guy I've played quite a bit over the last month. So maybe you go back to the well there. Uh, his numbers have been okay. Um, but a lot of it's been short game, uh, admittedly, but at least he's had some results. So maybe you sprinkle those guys in. Uh, but, uh, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot to love agree on list uh if he was going to be an option this is probably the week to to maybe give him a a peek as a punt play so we've got again 125 eligible uh three players electing not to compete and then nate lashley also withdrawing so only 121 golfers in the field right now those that are ranked you know below 90 uh, are going to need to have a really nice week to move up to the top 70 and get into next week's event, uh, the BMW Championship. So you will see maybe some guys be uh, a little bit aggressive this week if they need to make some birdies, uh, but that can backfire on this course uh, where it's not like you can just throw darts on every hole. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of the FedEx Cup standings, uh, but we have 70 in action next week. We will do a show for that next week and then just the top 30 for the tour championship uh we usually just do our written content over at roto grinders for that so you can check us out rotogrinders.com as we mentioned earlier noto's first look article is free uh we've got plenty of other premium content as well for those of you looking to get in on the fun with football starting up you can get our combo package and uh, and get all the sports covered with that so check us out at rotogrinders.com and again if you're watching us on youtube be sure to Hit the thumbs up button. We appreciate that very much. Noto, you see any questions or anything that uh, anything else we need to cover here? No, I'm not seeing any questions, uh, any outrights sticking out to you. You know, I was looking at this. Uh, it was kind of been looking at the odds throughout the show. I mentioned Burns seems to be the guy that people are gravitating towards. Um, I don't love it now that he's down to, to 35. Uh, I think if you can find somebody like a Fitzpatrick in that range, um, depends on the site. Some sites have him down like close to 20. I don't know if I love him there. Um, but maybe like a Lowry at 35 to one is interesting, but it, you know, first glance, um, I didn't see a lot this week. Like it's such a strong field that it's, you know, it's tough to, 
there's a whole bunch of guys in that 35 to 40 range, but I don't feel great about it this week. Yeah. How about you? I, I kind of feel you. Uh, I do like Zalatoris. He's at 26. Um, I know he's still looking for that first win, but it's going to come on a difficult course like this one. I kind of have a feeling about Scheffler. Not the best numbers, but he's like 16 to 1. Pro tip from a person that's bet Zalatoris a lot this year. Uh, but if you had him to win, make sure you always bet the top five or top 10 yeah. also. Uh, so that you don't come away empty-handed when he inevitably runners up, uh, gets a runner-up finish or fifth place or something like that. Uh, I've made that mistake far too many times, and so uh, you know, you, uh, I don't learn from my mistakes, but uh, you can learn from my mistakes, and uh, and there you go. So, uh, with that, probably good for us to sign off for this week. If I seem a little red-faced or tired. Um, we just got back. We, we did a little impromptu a week before school starts for our kids. So we did a little weekend getaway uh, to St. Louis, which is like a four hour drive. So we drove like two hours and got a hotel uh, and then went down. The Cardinals played the Yankees over the weekend. They had their biggest crowds ever at, uh, at Bush Stadium, uh, the new stadium, even bigger than the World Series crowds, bigger than the All-Star Game crowds. Um, so it was a wild series against the Yankees. We went Sunday. Uh, and then came home today, Monday, and just got home a little bit ago before the show here. But uh, the Cardinals and the Yankees played a four-hour and 25-minute nine-inning game on Sunday, <laughs> and the heat index was 107. Um, now, I'm smart enough, and I've been there enough, that uh, I did get seats in the shade uh, with two kids sitting in a game with 107. Heat index in the sun would not be pleasant. So it was worth it for uh, the Cardinals swept the Yankees. Uh, but a four-hour and 25-minute nine-inning game, 12-9, to nine, uh, was uh, was pretty crazy. But it uh, was our last little getaway before the uh, the school year. So I uh, would not have banked on the Cardinals sweeping the Yankees before the weekend, but it was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm uh, personally very excited for school to start. <laughs> My wife is as well. She stays home, too. So, uh, yeah, she's very, uh, very – when do the kids start out your way? Uh, I think the 17th, so kind of like 10 All right, days. so we're the, we're the day, uh, same day. It's the 17th. That's when our kids start as well. So uh, nine days left uh, for us on the back-to-school countdown. Uh, some of you out there may be nodding your head in agreement. Uh, if you've got little ones that uh, you're ready for summer break uh, to, to be over in the uh, normality of the school routine and some uh, quiet hours during the day to return, uh, Derek certainly uh, will appreciate that uh, as he works to to do his content during the day. So with that, we'll sign off for this week. Thanks to our producer, Steve, for working hard behind the scenes. He had a good weekend as well with his Mets beating down the Braves. Uh, Noda was looking forward to, to school getting started again and not too far away from uh, football season. Lots of good things on the horizon as we head into late August and September. So for Noto, I'm Justin. Thanks to Steve as well. Good luck with your golf lineups this week, everyone, with the FedEx St. Jude, and we will be back here next week. We'll see you later.